0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Walk on Wisdom. Thank you guys so much um, for the response thus far. This is where we take your questions, fan questions, sent into podcast at michaelchandler.com. And um, I try to give you some wisdom. Been around the world a couple times. A lot of ups, a lot of downs. But the response to this has been amazing. I just got back from New York City at UFC 295 and did a couple events. The sentiment from so many of you uh, that I've taken a couple weeks off of walk-on wisdom that you guys are missing them and you guys want them. So thank you guys so much for the response. So if you're just listening to this or someone sent you this, send, it, send your questions and do podcast at michaelchandler.com. But with that, let's get right into it. First question. Hey, Mike, it's Logan out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Lots of love for you out here, man. Been a fan of yours for a while, but I recently just began listening to your podcast. I hear you pointing to your faith frequently in both the highs and the lows of your journey. I'm a recent college graduate, and I can admit that during college, I wasn't keeping God and my faith in the front of my mind. Now, I wouldn't say I'm down in life per se, but I have this feeling of being lost in life and unsure what my future might hold. In my head, I believe that jumping back into my faith and religion is where I need to start to to build the life I want. My question to you is, how do you recommend I grow my faith, and how do you grow closer to God? I realize there may be quote unquote better people to ask this, but your words have a way to speak to me. I start, I start, I started waking up and writing in a gratitude journal like you preach, for example. I guess I'm just asking for guidance from you to grow in my faith. Thanks, Mike. See you at the top. P.S. If you get this, I want, I want to, I want you to shout out Brenda. She's the best mama anyone could have. Shout out to Brenda. Um, and Logan, man, the answer is simple. I always go back to Big decisions in life, um, trying to grow in life, uh, problems with relationships, problems with anything, the highs and the lows, even when when you're at your highest, even when you've accomplished that which you set out to to attain, there still can be more wisdom gleaned from the situation. And I always go back to James 1.5, he who seeks wisdom, ask for it and the Lord your God will give it abundantly. And it might not be right away, hey, God, give me some wisdom on this situation. And then all of a sudden, boom, a, a light bulb moment. That's not how life is supposed to be. Remember, it's not that people don't do the right things, is that they don't do the right things for long enough. And sometimes we need seasons of, as you said, Logan, getting to a point where you feel like something is missing to know that said thing was missing. You have to get to a point where something is out of whack. Something is out of sync in order for you to realize what you are missing. And that could be where you're at right now. So um, in every scenario in life, that's where I'm always looking to James 1, 5, ask for wisdom. Just like if you want more confidence, think about being more confident and asking for more confidence and acknowledging that you need more confidence or you need more physical fitness or you need more discipline or you need more insert your, your want here. Same thing with wisdom, same thing with a better relationship with your higher power. And that isn't just the Christian God for you Christians out there. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading these days, uh, some Ryan Holiday stuff. Ego is the enemy. The obstacle is the way. Stillness is the key. Um, And he brings up a lot of different religions, whether it be Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, whether it be Christianity, Christianity these ideas of a higher power is not necessarily about who that higher power is but the surrendering to that higher power to realize that yes i am i am an individual being here on earth i do have my goals my aspirations the things that i want to accomplish but they are not all dependent on me and that's a very freeing feeling so logan start by asking for wisdom you're Starting your day in the right direction, you're getting in your journal, whether it be a gratitude journal, whether it be just writing out your prayer, whether it be writing out what you want for the day, setting your attention intentions for the day, and then ask for wisdom. Next question comes from John. Hello, Michael. My name is John. When I was in high school, I used to play football. Then I quit because I started to get into pills, which pushed a lot of people close to me away. In my senior year, I overdosed in school, which led me to quit pills. A couple of years have gone by and I still have issues with anxiety and depression and still trying not to go down that path again. I still have this feeling that I let everyone in my life down or everyone in my family down and I won't accomplish anything. I just started started my MMA journey at 23 and my goal is to hold a world title in any big organization everyone close to me still thinks that this is a crazy goal and really doesn't support me what advice would you give someone just trying to reach the goal of being a world champion also i love the walk-on fitness app killer workouts hope to see you at the top well john i can tell you this right now it's going to be very 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 hard to accomplish the The insurmountable task of becoming a world champion in a major major MMA organization unless you get your house in order. You get your house in order. You get John in order. Your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul, your confidence, your happiness, your joy, your peace, your contentment. All of these things aren't necessarily a hard prerequisite to success, but all of those things are needed. In different doses, in different seasons, to be able to get you through the hardships, the trainings, the ups and the downs of what becoming an MMA world champion is. And this in this, for other people listening who aren't into mixed martial arts, maybe you don't even do mixed martial arts at all. Maybe you don't even like fighting. Um, this goes with anything in life. Just like John, if we don't get our life and our, our house in order, so to speak, it's going to be hard to accomplish those material things right you look at a world championship that's a material thing it's an accomplishment but joy peace and contentment you know you bring up depression and anxiety if we can rid those things of our life we can only rid those things of our lives those are just things that that are sometimes self-imposed or sometimes ta- told to us by doctors or told to us by those people that we are around. And just like you said, I still have um, this feeling that I let everyone down and um, everyone close to me still thinks this is a crazy goal to be a world champion. And that's par for the course. People who don't have lofty aspirations want to see you stay small so that you Don't make them feel uncomfortable and shine a light on their insecurities and shine a light on their shortcomings. So think about the people that you're around, number one, John. Um, Think about the people that you spend the most time with. Think about the things that you are indulging in. It's good to hear that you are um, staying on that path away from, from pills and hopefully other drugs because it does nothing but steal tomorrow's happiness. We take a pill today, or we drink the alcohol today, or we, we hang out with these people today. We go out to that place that makes us feel like crap today for the momentary joy of today. But really we're trying, really, we're just stealing tomorrow's happiness because, you know, tomorrow you're going to wake up and look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And we've all done this. doesn't matter what your vice is. There's a lot of vices out there in this world that we live in now. Um, But the biggest thing is the overarching theme is get your house in order. You have one life. You have one shot at this thing that we call the human existence. And you've got an indomitable spirit inside of you, even if you refuse to admit it. And even if those around you uh, downplay how strong your will is as a human being, God didn't make a mistake when he created you. He didn't make a mistake when he created me. and He didn't make a mistake when he created the other 8 billion people on this planet. We were all born with genius inside of us. we are taught to suppress that genius. We are taught to suppress that stick-to-itiveness that we were given by the nurture, by the people that we spend the most time with, by the things that we engage in. So get your house in order. Just like we talked to Logan on the last question, the best thing you can do is ask for wisdom. I don't know what, where your faith is, what your, what your higher power is, but it doesn't matter all the way from God and Jesus Christ to the universe to anything in between ask for wisdom admit that you need help and watch help start coming to you watch energy start coming to you watch a little bit of peace watch a little bit of watch a little bit of confident expectancy of good things to happen in your life just by admitting that you need a little bit of help and stop engaging in the things that you know you shouldn't be engaging in so and then Obviously, from a physical standpoint, John, you need to train your dang butt off every single day, every single day. And if you're juggling a job in a school or school or you're juggling different uh, family things, you're juggling all kinds of things. These are all the things that we have to juggle with. Um, But make sure you're in the gym training. So biggest thing here to everybody listening, get your house in order. You can have all the goals you want, all these big material things you want to accomplish, all these big finish lines you want to cross, but I promise you it's going to be extremely hard to get to those things if you don't first get your house in order. But best of luck, John. Next one comes from Shantanu. Hey, Michael, big fan of your work inside the cage, but even more of the personality you are outside of it. I'm Shan shantanu i'm 23 years old living in india about to go to a decent tier two college to pursue my mba in business analytics i grew up in a rural area so i was a bit more conservative when i came when it came to academics and career development i didn't capitalize on a lot of opportunities when pursuing my bachelor's degree which would have made my knowledge and resume a lot better than it is now i didn't go out of my comfort zone because i was too scared of the of other people would have better skills, speaking and academic skills than myself. So I missed out on a lot of the internships and competitions, et cetera. Never applied to them because I was afraid to fail. I sat at home preparing for exams after my my bachelor's for two years, feeling depressed. But after cracking a decently competitive exam, I got an opportunity to pursue my master's. But once again, doubt is creeping in that I could have been in so much better place if I did things differently and I'm afraid I'll miss out on opportunities when I go to pursue my master's. One thing I've always learned from you is accountability. But when I try to be accountable, I get hit in the face with an overhand right of regret. Is this good or bad? If bad, how do I confront these feelings? Thank you and regards, Shantanu. I think this is a phenomenal question. So to everybody listening, especially Shantanu, all you're dealing with is the exact same thing that all of us are dealing with in different seasons of our lives. And that's why I always say going into a fight, I don't care if I win or lose. I don't care what the result is because I know I did every single thing right leading up to that. And I had to take some hard lessons because there has been times in life, whether it be I had an injury or whether it be I had a lot of stuff going on or whether it be I have a lot of things outside of the cage I'm dealing with. I had to go through those lessons to know that if I don't leave everything out there in my training, in my discipline, eating right, sleeping right, training right, then I'm eventually going to have regrets. And I've, I've talked about this numerous, numerous times. I've put out a lot of content about this because I think this is a very, very powerful image. And you're seeing it right here in Shantanu's question. Hey, I wish I would have done this, but I didn't. So now, I, now I'm far by, farther behind than I am. And now I'm dealing with the person I am today or the accomplishments that I have today that are less than I pictured years prior because I was afraid to fail or I didn't put the work in or I didn't apply for the internship or I didn't apply for the experience. And now here I am wishing I would have. So I think about that 40-year-old me In some arena somewhere, uh, getting done with my last fight and looking myself in the mirror and thinking, man, I wish I would have done X, Y, and Z. Let the older you, Shantanu, you're you're 23 years old, um, so you got a lot of life ahead of you, but think about the 40-year-old self. The guy that's laying on the, his head on the pillow at night, is he sleeping peacefully or is he dealing with regrets? Is he dealing with things that that he wishes he wished he would have done? You see this all the time. Um, and I've actually thought about this one day. I was like, man, I would love to interview a bunch of old people, not to be oldest or ageist. Right. But I just lo- I love spending time with people that are so much older than me because they sit there and they say things that are so wise, yet they're not even trying to be wise. They're just they're just long in the tooth. They're just experienced. They've, they're have they at chapter 25 of their life while I'm still on chapter three. And I'm thinking, man, you look happy. You look content. Tell me the secret to life or tell me what your biggest regret is. And most of the time we've heard the studies, the biggest regret that people have on their deathbed is not the things that they did do because we can get over those things. I can get over the, the, the things that I wish I wouldn't done, the, the sins that I committed, the people that I hurt, the... Businesses that went sideways or this or that. But the one thing that is a recurring theme is the things that I didn't do. The chances I didn't take. The words I didn't say that needed to be said. Standing up when I was afraid to. The regrets of the things that I did not do. And this is exactly what we're dealing with here at Shantanu. But the good thing is, don't put so much pressure on yourself because you don't need to be perfect. At 23 years old, you don't need to be perfect. You're still figuring it out. Heck, I'm still figuring it out and I'm dang near 40. A lot of the listeners right now are still figuring it out. People older than me and younger than me, what you realize about this beautiful life of ours, this beautiful journey is that we're all just a bunch of human beings meandering around this earth, trying to figure it out and do the best that we possibly can in our life, in our career, in our spiritual life, with our, in our, as a parent. As the owner of a company, the leader of a company, or the person in the mail room at the bottom of the totem pole, it doesn't matter. We're just trying to figure this thing out. So focus on success, not perfection. And don't put so much pressure on yourself today that you, you again have paralysis by analysis. You sit here and you analyze all the different things. You analyze all the things that could go wrong. You analyze all the reasons why you can't instead of just giving yourself permission to do something instead of just giving yourself permission to say, I can, instead of, I can't. And once again, third question, excuse me, third question of this episode now, where I say, get your house in order, focus on your soul and your spirit, your confidence, because that is the person that you bring into every internship, every relationship, every meeting, every opportunity at the greatest moment of opportunity. Or at your darkest hour, you have to be able to answer the question, am I enough? And if you don't believe that you are enough, then the chances of you setting out to accomplish something and actually accomplishing it, the chances of that drastically diminish if you don't think that you are enough. So to everyone listening right now who is in Shantanu's situation, which sometimes I, I can chuckle a little bit and I don't say it at, at Shantanu's expense or anybody's expense who's in their early 20s is guys, you got your whole life ahead of you. And I promise you, all you have to focus on is operating with integrity, doing the right thing as much as you possibly can, surrounding yourself with great people and continuing to work hard. And then eventually that hard work pays off. You just have to still be standing there when it does. And ideally you're standing there with a full heart. You're standing there with confidence in yourself. You're standing there with Confident expectancy that good things are going to happen because you deserve it. But you have to earn the right to deserve it. You have to put the work in. You have to flex the discipline muscles, the faith muscles, the confidence muscles every single day. So Shantanu, um, you are going through, not to downplay it or act like you're not, you're not in a unique situation, but what you're going through is what millions and millions of other people in your age bracket are going through. Regrets of things that I wish I wouldn't have done or chances I didn't take, or I wish I would have put myself out there more, but it's okay. You've got your whole life ahead of you. I'm still swinging and missing every single day. I'm still looking back and wishing I would have done things. It's just the human condition. It's human nature. So focus on success, not perfection. Ask for wisdom and admit that you need help and you need to get better and watch those things start to come towards you. But best of luck, Shantanu next one is from ash hey mike my name is ash the question i have is about a situation i find myself in which i'm sure you have the ability to relate to i don't want to come across in a bad light but i am currently dating a girl who has another child from a past relationship he is a two-year-old boy i really love my girlfriend and i understand she comes as a package with her son and i completely accept that his real dad does not make any effort for him at all so he is completely out of the picture i feel as if she wants me to be the father figure but she does not raise him how i believe she should for example every time he is naughty i try to discipline him in a gentle and fair and constructive way like please don't bang don't bang on the hamster's cage for the hamster is sleeping your toys don't live here your toys don't live here in our small kitchen can you take them back to your room please He will burst out into tears, run to his mommy where she will embrace and cuddle him. This makes me feel powerless and puts me off the relationship, which frustrates me and breaks my heart. I have tried talking to her about it, but she gets defensive and says she's just a baby. But then contradicts herself and she's she's working on being better in that area, but continues to do the same every time. Any thoughts on this? I'm a big fan of you and your work. I wish you and your beautiful family the best future. Well, Ash... Parenting is not easy Um, and different parenting styles are different. And in your unique situation, my first thought that comes to mind is, yes, she does want you to be the father figure. It sounds like, yes, she, you guys are, are in love and, and, and moving toward that realm of, hey, I need to step up here because it looks like I'm going to step in and, and step in the gap and fill the gap for, um, for the father that was supposed to be there. Um, The biggest, I think the biggest thing I would say here is it is, you are stepping in and coming in to a, a to a relationship that was already, that was already made between the child and um, the girl that you were dating. And even if you disagree, even if her parenting style is different than yours, even if, even if you may have some criticisms or wish that you could step up or want to step up, sometimes it's better to say nothing as a man in a relationship. Um, I know there is no way that I can be what my sons need that my wife provides, and to all the single parents out there, um, it is such a it is such a commendable thing to to be single parenting, to be trying to figure it all out, plus dealing with all of the different things that life throws at us. And I take my hat off to all of you because it is a seemingly insurmountable feat at times, but it can be done and it will be done. And it will always, always work out if we continue to focus on the child's needs. Um, I am by no means a parenting expert. Um, I do, I do follow a really great, um, what I would call her child psychologist slash um I would just call her a child expert everything every single thing that she says, a light bulb goes off, and I think, man, she's really great. Her name is dr Becky um good inside. she wrote a book called good inside um and she talks about the emotions of of children and how they uh how they're just uh they are emotional at their core. That's how they're going to respond and react. Obviously an ashes situation here. Um, for two years, there was no man in the picture. It sounds like, and, um, the child needs a father. And I think the best thing that you can do, the best thing that we can do sometimes as men is just bite our tongue and not try to force things. Um, whether it does frustrate you, whether you do disagree, um, it always usually works out better if we can bite our tongue and set our ego aside and realize where we are um, in the hierarchy of raising the child. Um, and even after when it does work out, if it does work out and you guys get married and you do and you, know, you adopt the child and you become the legal father, um, there's still going to be possibly years of trying to figure it out. But the biggest thing is just lead with love. Um, one thing I, I will say, you know, that I've learned over the last couple of years about my children, when they're acting out, it's because sometimes their their greatest fears are, are welling up inside of them and they don't know how to verbalize it. Um, if myself and Hap have a disagreement, who's, you know, he's a six-year-old, almost a seven-year-old, if we have a disagreement or... For instance, if he was to say something like, get out of my room, I don't want you to be in my room, I don't, want you, I don't want you in here, blah, 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 or I don't want you in here, does he really mean that or is he really just trying to manifest his greatest fears? What if his, you know, what if his greatest fear is me leaving, right? Because he loves me, I'm his Superman, I'm his rock. So in those kind of scenarios, I don't get up and leave and say, all right, see you later, you don't want me in here, I'm out. Like I would if a grown adult did. If a grown adult did that, I'd be like, okay, man, I'm not going to waste my time here. If you're not emotionally mature, mature enough to be an adult in this scenario, I'm out. I got a wife. I got kids. I got other stuff, bigger fish or fries, so to speak. But for a six-year-old, for a three-year-old, for a, a toddler, for a very, very young um, child, a lot of times they're really just verbalizing their greatest fears. So in a scenario like that, I don't leave. I might stay right there in the doorway or, and be quiet, hold my tongue. I might walk over to him, give him a nice big hug, squeeze him, let him feel the love, physically feel the love. Because a lot of times they're just verbalizing their greatest fears. Um, so that's a little bit of parenting tip. And I did actually learn that from Dr. Becky. So Dr. Becky Good inside. Um, and she is a a a female child psychologist. I don't follow a lot of... Um, People in that realm, but she has been one that has been absolutely awesome. And I have not read her book. I'm not going to claim to read her book. My wife does have it um, and she's still finishing it. And maybe someday I will read it. But following her on Instagram was a very great uh, follow. But Ash, bite your tongue. Any, any husband out there, even if they are your biological children, sometimes it's better to just bite your tongue. So take, take stock in how often you are biting your tongue, not, not sacrificing your needs. Um, Not sacrificing your wants in all these different scenarios, but biting your tongue and saying less because sometimes silence is the greatest love that we can show. Good luck, Ash. Um, Next one from Quack. Hey, Michael, thank you for this podcast. It literally helps during difficult. It really helps during difficult times. I have a question for you. In 2017, I got diagnosed with a brain tumor and got depressed. My family and friends didn't really support me emotionally during this period. Only my girlfriend. In 2020, the brain tumor was removed, but I don't have any friends anymore and don't speak to my family anymore. Now I don't trust people anymore and have a hard time making friends, and sometimes I feel very lonely and don't want to live anymore. Do you have any tips or lessons for me to stay positive and trust people again and have a, and have a happy life? Thank you, champ. Good luck with your Conor McGregor fight. Regards, Kwok from the Netherlands. Kwok, um, man, it's a, that's a tough Tough one, number one, um it's good to hear that the brain tumor was removed, and it sounds like um health wise you're doing okay, but I can't imagine what that would do emotionally and spiritually going through something like that, especially feeling abandoned by those who are supposed to love you, those who are supposed to be there for you, those that you're supposed to be able to lean on in trying times um and sometimes. You know, I talk a lot about, and I've already talked about it so far in this episode, if we work hard and we do the right thing and all these things, but one of the biggest things is surrounding ourselves with the best people possible. And surrounding yourself with the best people possible sometimes is a choice when it comes to friends and acquaintances, business partners, people that come into your life, but you don't get to choose your family. You don't get to choose who your mom and dad are, who birthed you. You don't get to choose who your grandparents are. You don't get to choose who your brothers and sisters are. That is what you sometimes get blessed with. And some people probably feel like they got stuck with. And we can play this comparison game and the, the, um, the rights and wrongs game of looking at other scenarios and other families and, and, and wish that we had a different one, a better one, um, a one that suited us more. And it's tough. It's, it's very tough if your family and friends didn't support you emotionally during that tough period, only your girlfriend. Um, And then now having the tumor removed and then you don't really speak to the family or friends anymore. That's a tough place. I think God created us for relationship. God created us for, for community. He didn't create us to be alone. He didn't create us to be by ourselves. Um, Get your house in order and focus on yourself. The ailments of your past, the surgeries of your past, the tumor, the literal brain tumor of your past, um, does not define you. And you still have a lot of life left to live. And there are still a lot of relationships out there. And yes, I can't, I don't claim to sit here and know what it would feel like to have or feel like my mom and dad or brothers and sisters, grandmas and grandpas, the people that were supposed to support me. I don't know what it feels like to be abandoned by them. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I know what that feels like, but I can say what my heart is telling you right now is that mending those fences would be ideal. Um, But sometimes mending those fences doesn't need to happen until you've done the work on yourself, becoming the best version of yourself. So then you can step into the mending of those fences, uh, the best version of yourself. And then there's a lot of people out there who can take the place of that family that abandoned you there's a lot of people who can take the place of you're never going to be able to right that wrong you're never going to be able to take away that abandonment or the 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 disdain that you may have had for them even the hatred that you have for them it's going to be hard to take that away it's always it's always going to be there in your past but you don't have to choose to carry it on into your future and creating relationships around you, people that do love you and support you and want to be there in your highs and your lows is the best thing we can do for our mental and emotional stability. I've created a lot of deep relationships over the last decade or so. Um, I won't say a lot, actually. Um, I'm very selective about who I go pretty deep uh, with um, because I have to trust them. I have to get. What I need out of that relationship emotionally and and spiritually and being built up. If I'm ever around somebody who steals my joy, if I'm ever around somebody who steals anything uh, from me spiritually or physically, uh, obviously I just start to cut them out of my life. And maybe I have that luxury, um, but it can start locally instead of thinking globally. Think locally. Who in your town? There in the Netherlands. Um, who can you spend time with? Who can you work out with and train with? Who can you who can you build things with to then continue to build relationships? Um, but I sympathize with you, Kwok. Um, it's not easy to feel abandoned when it comes to family, but stay built up, get your house in order, continue to work on yourself, do the work on yourself to become the best version of yourself to then show up the best version of yourself in every single possible friendship, relationship, um mentorship that you can find and then serve other people. Some of the best ways to create great relationships is serving other people and it's a very it's a very uh kill two birds with one stone type of mentality because yes you're helping someone else but you're really helping yourself. You're putting another drop into your bucket, you're putting another penny into your bank because you are building yourself up by then serving other people best of luck quok from the netherlands and thank you for the well wishes on the connor fight all right next one comes from <clears throat> bailey michael growing up in a christian family i was raised on the importance of having a servant mind approach to life treating others as i want to be treated and putting others needs before my own this line of thinking and living has also trans has also transitioned. Into my career as a police officer and as a as a corrections officer. I find myself having this approach to life with my friends and family, and sometimes even strangers. I feel that sometimes my servant-mind approach to life can sometimes be taken for granted. I feel sometimes people could be mistaken, mistaking my servant-minded approach to life as a yes man or a pushover. Or could it be that I am. I am the one confused thinking I am acting as a servant servant, but rather am just being a yes man. It seems to be a fine line, but, but one I want to get to the bottom of having a servant's mind approach to life will cause us to say yes to a lot of things. But in your experience, what differentiates a yes man from that of a servant minded man? I am meeting up with my pastor in a few weeks to discuss the topic, but I want to hear from you and your thoughts. I appreciate you, man. Well, Bailey, um, I'd say first and foremost, I'd rather be someone with a servant's heart who gets taken advantage of sometimes than a egotistical, self-centered person who is taking advantage of themselves. I'd rather be someone who serves others and sometimes gets left out to dry or sometimes gets slighted or sometimes gets gets that feeling, that icky feeling that we got taken advantage of. I'd rather be that person than someone who gets the icky feeling by the self-induced self-servant mind. I think myself, I am a pretty servant-minded person i like to be i want to be a servant leader i want to serve others i want to help others that's the reason i do this this podcast and it wasn't about me just interviewing people and trying to get all the clicks it was about you guys sending in your questions to people that have been with me on this journey to serve you guys i try to take that approach in a lot of different areas in life um, but always think about this the alternative is something that I would not want to be living a life of. I'd rather be a servant minded person, or maybe even a yes man sometimes to be taken advantage of sometimes to be standing there with my with my hat in my hand, um, than someone who never serves people. Now, with that being said, let that be the foundation of the answer to this question. And anyone listening right now, who feels a little bit of that, a little bit of that pull on their heart, a little bit of tug on their heart and say, maybe I am a little bit selfish. Maybe I don't serve enough. Maybe I don't go into every interaction trying to serve others. Um, Let that be a tugging of your heart to maybe start to add that to your list of things that you want to get better at. Um, Now, with that being said, being a yes man and a pushover can also lead to self-induced, uh, shame and self-induced guilt, because yeah, there's nothing worse than feeling like you gave so much time and energy and effort when you could be working on yourself or building something else. Um, it's a tough feeling to feel that way. So the biggest thing I would say too, is just ask for asking for wisdom. Being a servant leader doesn't mean you say yes to everything. You say yes to the right things when it makes, when it makes sense, when it makes makes sense for the greater good. Um there's times where I do things that are absolutely ROI negative, return on investment negative. Whether I'm spend whether I spend way too much time serving people, maybe I spent way too much money serving people, maybe I spent way too much time on resources um serving other people and it's ROI negative, but in a lot of ways it's ROI positive because of the feeling that I get by serving others. Um, it sounds to me too, you know, if you're a yes man or a pushover, you got to ask why you're doing things. Are you doing it? Are you doing it because of the feeling that you get that serving others, the smile on their faces, their their joy or their, their upward trajectory, helping them in their upward trajectory in life? Or are you doing it? because you feel obligated to, or are you doing it because of an insecurity that you need to deal with? Are you doing it because of a lack of self-image that you need to deal with? Maybe it goes all the way back to whenever you were a child and you were, you were coerced into giving the kid a piece of candy at in elementary school. You were coerced into, okay, well maybe they'll like me if I dye my hair. Maybe they'll like me if I wear the, the jeans like them. Maybe I'll like them if I, or maybe they'll like me if I uh, get this pair of shoes or if I do this thing. Maybe it's those things that you haven't dealt with. And I'm not just talking to Bailey here. I'm talking to everybody. I'm even talking to myself. I know I have my insecurities of the past, my insecurities of those tip, those, those pivotal years in middle school and high school. When you start to kind of hit puberty and become a man, you start to start to think about what being a man really is. What's what being a leader is, or what being a, a person on a sports team is what being a, uh, a kid in, in, in classes, whether it be, do the girls think I'm cute? Do they want to date me? All right. Am I tougher than these guys? Am I good at wrestling, football, whatever it may be? There's a thousand things of our past that we need to continue to think about, um, to help us when we look in the mirror and say, I'm proud of that person, or that person needs a lot of work, or that person needs the validation of others in order to be content. So Bailey. And everyone else listening out there, a servant a servant, a servant's heart or a servant leader is always better than the alternative. Selfish, self-centered, egotistical narcissist who only thinks about themselves. It's absolutely um, a better alternative than that selfish person. But continuing to ask for wisdom in every, every single, every single scenario, and only giving your time to the people that deserve it. Having a servant's heart doesn't mean you serve everybody. Having a servant's heart means you start to mature, you start to grow, and you start to realize that not everybody deserves to be served. And that might sound harsh, but not everybody deserves to be served. If they're at a time in their life where they bring more negativity toward you than they do positivity, when they take from you more than they give to you, or they take from your bucket more than they fill your bucket, maybe they don't deserve to be served. And I'm not saying in the Actual literal lifelong sense that they deserve to be served because everyone deserves to be served, but in certain seasons, certain people don't deserve to be served. Um, so Bailey, you're the man. Um, i hope I uh, hope that helps um, keep that servant's heart and everybody out there who has a servant's heart and everybody out there who feels like they're a little bit selfish, start to question that a little bit um, and keep that servant's heart. And uh, to start being a little bit more selective, call it a selective servant's heart. Tell yourself that I am a selective servant for the next six weeks. Do a six week challenge where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be better at saying no, or I'm going to be better at not giving my time. I'm going to be better at, I didn't feel the way, I didn't like the way I felt last time I did this with this person or for this person or at this place or with this thing or Insert your scenario here. I didn't like the way I felt last time, so I'm not going to do it again. And then watch something else come to you to where you can go serve and it actually serves you as well. You're the man, Bailey. Keep that servant's heart. Next one comes from Carson. Hey, Michael and team. I've watched most of the podcast and I am a longtime fan of, of MMA. I have a question that I don't remember being covered in depth, in depth, but it may have been touched on. Have you ever felt imposter syndrome? I add a little con- to add a little context. I'm 21 years old, college dropout, neither parents in the picture and live in a small town. I have been training to fly planes and to obtain my pilot's license and eventually become a commercial pilot. My biggest issue is imposter syndrome. I have been in flight school and have flown for a year now, but I still feel like I don't belong. Not in a, not in a, I don't like this context, but more of a, I don't feel qualified or smart enough to be doing this context. Even though on paper, I'm just as qualified as any of my peers. If you could touch on this, I'd, I'd, it'd be greatly appreciated. One more thing. I have some trouble with loneliness. As I prefaced, I'm 21, live in a small town of 300 people, and my ex left for college about two years ago. We broke up shortly after, and neither of my parents are in the picture because they struggle with addiction. I know you have given breakup advice, and it has helped me tremendously, but I'm struggling with the general loneliness and not so much the breakups. Not so much the breakup. Thanks in advance to anyone who took the time to read this, and Mike, can't wait to watch you sleep, McGregor. (laughs) Well, um, Carson, there's a couple different things going on here. Um We'll talk about the relationship stuff first. Yes, the feeling of loneliness um has everything to do with you and not them. Um, anytime that we feel loneliness in life, it wasn't because someone necessarily left us. It's because someone left us, but we we weren't built up enough to be standing here, ten toes down, standing here tall, as ourselves. To be content with the person that we are. Now, with that being said, in the very beginning of your question, you talked about college dropout, um, both of your parents struggling with addiction. Neither of your parents are in the picture. This is a hard. That's a hard road to to walk, and it's a hard mountain to climb. So let it motivate you. Let it remind you that people in your situation have. Scaled to crazy heights, have flown extremely high—no pun intended. Um, But Carson, you're still 21 years old; still very, very, very young. Maybe it is the college degree that you never got that maybe you should go back and get. Maybe it is um, relationships in your past that you need to mend. Maybe maybe those relationships need to completely stay away from you, and you need to create new ones. Um, But being in Pilot school, being in school um, with people who are obviously focused on or interested in the same thing that you are. It sounds like you got a bunch of friends in that um, classroom, a bunch of friends in the, and a bunch of like minded individuals in your program that you haven't taken advantage of yet. And maybe it's the imposter syndrome of being a little bit afraid that you don't deserve friendship, you don't deserve relationship, but you do. Somewhere right now in your school, somewhere right now in your program with the people who are interested in the same thing as you could be somewhere, could be your best friend, the person that you can lean on, the person who has very similar goals and and similar aspirations. Um, But when you're dealing with loneliness, you're obviously dealing with, I don't deserve um, happiness in a lot of ways. I, I am void of joy. I am joy, void of peace. I am void of, of contentment because it's hard to be lonely and happy. It's hard to be lonely and successful. It's hard to be lonely and growing. Um, But lonely is a season. Lonely is a lot of times self-induced, like I said before. Loneliness is, is a lot of Continuing to do the same things or not do the same things, not doing social things, not being around people, which God created us to be around people. He created us to be in relationships. So think about that. Don't think about, well, I am in this small town. I am a college dropout. I am um, a quote unquote failure in certain areas and I don't feel like I deserve to be or qualified enough to be around these people because that's obviously uh, kind of the undertones of this question. Don't think about that. Pull yourself away. 30,000 foot view. Once again, no pun intended here, but 30,000 foot view that God created you to be seeking relationships. He created you to be seeking community with like-minded individuals who build you up and add to your life. And really, if you're not pursuing those things, you're really doing yourself a disservice. That doesn't mean you need to go out and talk to every Tom, Dick and Harry and try to become friends with everybody, but having an open mind and an open heart. And I realize there's wounds of your past with your parents struggling with addiction, your parents not being in the picture. There's a little bit of an abandonment going on there. So with abandonment comes, I don't deserve. If they were going to go into abandon me, then everybody else is going to abandon me or me, me and my girlfriend broke up and now we're not together anymore. She went off to college and she abandoned me. So I don't mean to downplay it, but you were created for more than that. You were created for deep, long-lasting, fulfilling relationships. So open your heart to that. Think about that. Pray on it. Meditate on it. Visualize it. Whatever it is that you need to do um, to open your heart to relationships, friendships. And they could very well start out as, hey, we're going to hang out and drink coffee and only talk about flying planes. We're going to hang out have dinner, and only talk about this big test we got coming up. We're only going to talk about this big simulation that we have to do in a couple weeks. But just open yourself up and seeing the beauty of life and seeing the beauty that there are a lot of good people out there. There are a lot of very, very beautiful souls out there, and there's a lot of bad ones. We live in a world where there's a lot of bad ones, and there's drugs, and there's sex, and there's Temptation and there's everything out there and there's deceit and there's people screwing people over and there's people stealing and lying and cheating it's out there and we have to battle through it but the older I get I know that stuff is there yet the older I get the more I realize how many absolutely beautiful souls there are on this planet. I just did an event a couple weeks ago and I spent some time with Uh, someone I won't name his name, but he flies overseas and he goes to the most ridiculously evil, nasty, horrible places on planet earth, war zones, women and children being things done to them that a human being should never a have done to them. And also another human being having to see, and someone asked him, Hey, after seeing all that stuff, after seeing the worst of humanity, how do you stay positive? How do you not let it make you just want to end it all? Why do you not? Why does it not make you want to just completely write off the human race? And his answer was simple. It's what I have to do because I love it, because I was called to do it. This is what I get to do. And just because I see those people do those things to other human beings, doesn't mean that I have to think that just because that evil exists, doesn't mean I have to. I have to think that that is the majority. If you got dropped into the middle of a war zone, you'd look around 360 and you'd think, okay, if this is a sample size of of what human human beings are, you'd have no choice but to think, man, okay, this is how human beings are, and this is we have no we have no uh, no chance at happiness. But then when you can pull yourself out come back to America, wherever you are, whatever town you're in, whatever your house, whatever house you live in, whatever land you live on, whatever city you live in, and you go out and talk to people and have normal conversations with people, you realize, okay, that's in a vacuum over there and in a vacuum over there and in a vacuum over there in these different parts of the world. But it's not everyday life. So I say that to everybody. Uh, I know that was a little bit off. It was a little bit off a tangent off of Carson's question, but I, I think that that's something that needs to be brought up. See the best in human nature. Even if people have left you, abandoned you, screwed you over, messed you up, taken from you, lied and cheated and stealed, stole. Um, that, there's a lot of really great people out there and God created us for relationships. So Carson, I hope that helps. And I hope that helps with anybody out there struggling with loneliness. And I don't mean to call you out and act like what you have gone through should not warrant you to feel lonely. But what I am saying is a lot of time loneliness is self-induced because your joy cannot be stolen unless you let someone steal it. You can never be abandoned, um, Unless you let somebody have that power over you. So good question, Carson, and best of luck. Next question comes from Nathan. Hey, Michael. Michael, my name is Nathan. First of all, I'm a massive fan and love your work inside and outside of the octagon. Your mentality and approach to situations really speaks to me on a deeper level. In November, I'll be a father for the first time. His name will be Cole, and I am over the moon to be a father. I wasn't close to my dad, nor was he a good role model. What advice do you have for being able to share with me in terms of being a first-time father? I would love to hear. I would love your. I would love to hear your wisdom and experience. See you at the top. Well, Nathan, um, based on what I think was November, um, we are. You may be already be a father. You may have just watched um, your, it uh, I don't know if it was a, we don't know the sex of the the baby, but um, you may have just had your son or daughter. Um, but my, my advice for first time fathers is uh, pretty simple. And it always starts off with, it's going to be one of the hardest things that if you care, Let me preface this. If you care, it's going to be one of the hardest things that you ever have to do. Because I can neglect workouts. I can neglect businesses. I can neglect friendships. I can neglect um, things that I've thrown myself into. I can even neglect things that are extremely important. Even neglect my relationship with my wife. And it wouldn't be the same type of guilt that I would feel as if I was neglecting my child because the child is just so innocent. And once again, like we talked about in one of these previous questions, we don't get to choose who our family is, but you chose to be a father. I chose to be a father. It was a choice that we made, but the child didn't choose that. Um, So if you care, it's going to be one of the toughest things that you ever have to do. And it's a constant juggling act. And I go through it every single day. But the good thing is trying to operate to be the best father that you can always day after day, brick by boring brick, grows into a great relationship and a very healthy, confident, happy, mature child if we put that time in. If we put the emphasis on it. And just like, uh, just like I've said, my kids think I'm a superhero. My kids think I am the man I can do no wrong. They think I can pick up my house and throw it a block. Um, they think I can do these superhuman things because that's what children do, children do. I think it's such a, I think it's such a crazy thing that as little boys, us men so he's talking to the men here, the fathers or the fathers to be, or the men who want to grow a family, build a family and be a father. I think it's so ironic that our entire childhoods, most of us spent playing cowboys and Indians or playing superheroes or power rangers or wanted to be Superman. They wanted to be Batman and wanted to be the Hulk, wanted to be these larger than life figures. Yet we don't realize that we actually are even more larger than life than those fake action figure figurine figments of people's uh cinematic imagination we are bigger superheroes than all of those to our children we have an opportunity to be a superhero to somebody we have an opportunity to be the knight in shining armor, armor the savior the rock that they lean on their shield in the storm we have that ability because we have a child and that child is always going to, unless we mess it up, unless we completely uh, mess up their trust with us. If we completely um, don't lead with love. And if we put them in a scenario where they stop trusting us or they, they don't think we're superhero. And I'm not saying don't show them that you're human. I think one of the most important things as men we can do, and as a father, Nathan, at being a first-time father, you have a newborn, but in a couple of years, one of the most important things you can do is say, I'm sorry. One of the most important things you can do is humanize yourself. One of the most important things you can do is talk about your failures. One of the most important things you can do is apologize when you've done something wrong or point out the things that you wish you would have done better because seeing them, seeing you verbalize that and humble humbling, themselves sets a sets the bar even higher because we think, and I do this with my mixed martial arts career all the time. You got all these guys out there who want to act, they don't want to ever talk about their losses, they don't want to talk about their shortcomings, they don't want to talk about anything embarrassing, they don't want to wear their heart on the sleeve, they don't want to, they don't want to air out their garbage. And I talk about that stuff all the time because I think, in a sense, we think that it actually diminishes our brightness, but actually I think it increases it. Because the more operating with humility that you can have in every different scenario, the more you humanize yourself and more people can actually relate to you. And that's not just in my career. That's actually as a father as well. I probably apologize to my children. Well, my son Ace is is still too young to have actual conversations right now. But I apologize to Hap dang near every day. There's something. That I could apologize for or humanize myself uh, with or be sweet when he expects me to be harsh discipline. Hold him accountable, of course. Don't let him slide. Don't let him cut corners. <clears throat> don't let him don't let him get comfortable in this life that we that we have. Let him know that hard work needs to be um put in and accomplishments need to be earned, but be hard on him where I need to be hard on him. But show him the grace, show him more grace in this in the times where he would expect the lack thereof. So Nathan, and to any father out there, anyone, any man struggling with, man, this father thing is freaking hard, man. It really is, but it is the most rewarding, most amazing thing that we can ever go through in life. Being in charge of another human being, being in charge of their their, their future. I think sometimes we downplay it. Sometimes we think we can just uh, make a baby and as long as they stay alive, they'll be all right. But just because they're alive doesn't mean that they're really, really living. And it's up to you to make sure they're really, really living. It's up to you to speak things over them. It's up to you to speak things into them. It's up to you to show them a good example. And you're not going to be perfect once again, the overarching theme in everything I talk about is don't put so much pressure on yourself to try to be perfect that you miss being remarkable. You miss being successful. Focus on success, not perfection. I can't tell you how many times I've laid in bed at night and my wife and I have something that we talk about. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that better. Man, I wish I would have been sweeter here or more patient here or more kind here, or I wish I been, wouldn't have been so lazy here and I would have gotten up and done this or done that. And been a quote unquote better father. It happens. It's going to happen and it could happen every single day. But pat yourself on the back and show yourself that that grace that if you do have those thoughts and have those feelings, it's probably because you care. I'd much rather take the person who might deal with a little bit too much, a little bit, a little bit too high of a standard for themselves where they're constantly thinking, man, I wish I would have done this better as a father. I'd much rather take that father than the one who never, ever thinks they did anything wrong, who never, ever apologizes, who never, ever really takes a look at what being a father is and not realize that it's the most important job that they will ever have on their entire, in their entire life. Even even more important than being a business, a world champion, rich millionaire, giving them houses and giving them, giving them a shelter and giving them cold, cold, uh, cold drinks and hot food and full bellies and warm pajamas. It's the emotional stuff that you give them. It's the, it's the, the soul-filling things that you give them that are, are most important. And last thing I would touch on, and I know I've kind of, I don't want to sound contradictory here, because like I said, being a father is the most important job that you'll ever have in your entire planet. sounds like it's even more important than being a spouse. But when it comes to the spouse, number one, you made a commitment to that spouse first. And number two, and probably more important, having a good relationship with your spouse is one of the greatest and best gifts that you can give to your children. So think about that. You're serving your children by serving your spouse. Even when you leave your child, even when I tell Hap, Ace, I'm taking mommy on a date. I'm not going to be with you. I'm not serving you tonight, but really inadvertently I am serving you because I'm leading by example and showing you that me and mommy are on the same team. Mommy is my best friend. Mommy does deserve to be celebrated. Mommy's bucket does deserve to be filled. I love mommy like crazy, is the best thing that they can hear and is the best thing that they can feel. It's the best thing that can be going through their mind and subconsciously they know. And yeah, he's going to cry. Yeah, he's going to throw a fit. And yeah, he's going to say things like, You always take mommy on a date. You never take me on a date. There'll be those times where I'm like, All right, dude, well, I. Feel like I took you out like three times this week, or I haven't taken mommy on a date in three weeks, and I've taken you to six different places. But in his mind, in his reaction, you always take mommy on dates. You never, you know, because they forget. But that momentary, short little period of time where they're upset isn't truly how they feel. It's just an emotional reaction. And Spending time with your spouse and loving your spouse and serving your spouse is part of being a father. You're serving your children by serving your spouse. The greatest gift that you can give to your children is having a great relationship with their mom if you're a father. Um, so I love talking about parent parenting and parenthood. I could sit there and talk about it all day. Um, but I know there's a lot, that are listening that probably aren't parents. So um, that would be my advice to you, Nathan. Um, congratulations on the, the little one. It sounds like he or she is being born in um, November. Remember, show yourself the grace because it's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done if you care. And please, please, please care. Because like I said, you're a superhero to your children. And anybody, anybody out there who feels a little bit of a tugging on their heart It's okay to step up. It's okay to mend fences. It's okay if you have been a absentee or a not so great father or selfish, self-centered, egotistical, afraid to apologize type of father. It's okay. You can start today. Great thing about parenting is those children are more resilient than we think, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to serve them with every single action that we have. And when we don't, show ourselves the grace. Um, but that does it for the questions, um, to everybody who sent them in. Thank you so much. If you did enjoy this, um, send your questions in to podcast at michaelchandler.com. Um, leave, leave some reviews, um, send this to people. Um, hopefully some of these answers, this is a a lot of times what happens too, is answering these questions then sparks other questions, uh, for you to send in. To podcast at michaelchandler.com. We're going to try to continue to bring these out to you guys. Um, and man, I just thank you guys for being on this journey with me. Um, as we sit here today, no update on the Connor fight. Um, but everything has been, uh, announced up through March. So the next thing they're announcing is in April. So that's what I'm hoping for, but we'll see. Um, but as always, like I said, thank you all so much for being with me on this journey and, um, Operate with integrity, do the right thing today, serve other people, surround yourself with the best people possible and work extremely hard because I just sparked something in, in me real quick to remind myself, because I think I, sh- I would be um, not, de- I would be doing you guys a disservice if I didn't think, bring this thought to you guys. I just left Madison Square Garden a couple days ago and my picture is in the hallway at Madison Square Garden. And I don't say that to impress you, but I say that to impress upon you that if this little old guy from a little old town who was taught to do small, small things can end up with his picture in the hallways of the world's most iconic arena, then think about what you can accomplish. The stories that I told myself of the the past, the stories that were told to me by other people about me, the self-imposed limits and shackles that were put on me, I was able to break them. I was able able to shatter the glass ceilings. I was able to get where I'm at and we ain't even close to being done yet. We ain't even scratched the surface yet. So like I said, I don't say that to impress you, but I do say that to impress upon you that great things can be accomplished. The hard work always pays off if you're still standing there to receive it when it does. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Walk on. I'll see you at the top.